Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. I um, I'm going to show you guys a picture. We're talking about missions. You guys look at a picture, and you're gonna. I, I want you to look at it for a minute, and I want you to tell me what country this picture was taken in. What What would your guesses be? Thailand. I took a bunch of. I I have mission trip pictures that I took just like that. I mean, I'm going to give you the answer. It's that picture was taken in America. Oh no 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 no! That picture was taken off a refugee road. On the corner of Refugee and Courtright, back in a subdivision. Dave, can you stand up for a minute? Dave driveled this. I was uh, driving his bus route with him one time, and Dave said, turn down this street. And I can't remember the name of the street. It's a little side street over there. And I drove past it. I about slammed on the brakes and said, he said, that's, that's in my bus route. It's a Buddhist temple. And I'm not saying a Buddhist temple like, you know, just some sort of museum thing. This is an active Buddhist temple that they are... They're going after these kids that we're going after. I'm not not just making it. Just go ahead and go through these pictures. I drove around and took these pictures. That's Refugee Road right there. You guys see that all the time. Uh, They they get together and they worship a God that is not our God. That God did not die on a cross. He did not conquer death, hell, and the grave. He did not come out of no tomb. These temples, these mosques, these things... Over here, you're going to see a picture here in a minute. That's, that's the one on refugee. While I was there, there's people driving in to this temple, and they're gathered around, and they were worshiping inside. The night before, I'm driving down 33, right over here, right by our exit, and there's another Buddhist temple. You wouldn't even notice that it's there. It's like a lean-to. All the lights were on. I looked past, and they were all bowing down to this statue inside of there, right here on refugee, or right here off 33, right around the corner. Some of you didn't even realize this. You go two minutes, with no exaggeration, two minutes, turn left on Shannon right here. You're going to find down here on Shannon, there's a house that was bought. That's the house. How many of you have driven past that house? Say, what is that? The Muslims have bought that. That is now a meeting place for the Muslims here. Not just in Columbus, right here in Canal Winchester. Two minutes from Fellowship Baptist Church. I could go on and on. And right there, they're building another thing because they're growing. They're reaching more people. They're making a difference. Every one of these pictures that you're seeing right now were established or on our bus routes. Columbus, Ohio. Groveport, Ohio. Canal, Winchester. Whitehall, Ohio. Right here in our backyard in the shadow of Fellowship Baptist Church. Can I tell you right now, when I drove into that building yesterday... The parking lot was filled with people driving in and out to worship that statue that is represented in that picture. I hold in my hands the hope of the world. But does this world know it? Does Columbus, Ohio know that those images and those gods and those temples that are smack right down the street. You could be walking into that temple within five minutes drive of here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Does this community know that that is a lie and this is the truth? He said, oh, man, I don't don't think they do. Let me ask you another question. I'm not trying to browbeat you. I'm not trying to get up here. I'm trying to tell you the truth. 
they will never know unless we tell them. Amen. I know this isn't going to be one of those, amen, because you know what, it's, it's convicting. Because we, we want to look at it, well, we've, my church has a program for that. Let me tell you, evangelism should never be a program. It is who we are. The Bible didn't say the local, the bus ministry was the salt of the earth. The Bible says that Christians are the salt of the earth. Amen. The Bible never said that, that the fellowship of this church, the building, will be the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Right. And, and yet the world is sitting in darkness. And you say, man, oh, I knew things had gotten so bad. We need to correct something. In Acts chapter 17, and you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read this. It's just a side thought. Paul is going into the city, and in Acts chapter 17, verse 23, it says, For as I passed by, I beheld your devotions. I found, I found an altar with the inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, him I declare unto you. You say, you say what, what are you saying by that? All the way back in Acts, when they were starting the church, when they were evangelizing, when they were going out, they still dealt with the same issue that we're dealing with here in Columbus, Ohio. It's not that things have gotten bad or worse. It's just that we've been so blessed. Amen. Amen. You see, we grew up in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We grew up in one nation under God. We grew up where the Ten Commandments were hung in our courthouses and prayers were in our public school. Where our kids at Christmas and public elementaries would get up and act out the nativity story. We would open up sporting events with prayer. I grew up in a dry county. There's people today that don't even know what that is anymore. When I used to go in Kroger when I was a teenager and a kid, they would have the beer section blocked off because it was Sunday. You know, and people today don't even know what that is. Christmas was a national holiday that focused on the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. At one time, we were considered to be a Christian nation. Let me tell you, all of the above that I just said, none of those are true anymore. It is not acted out in school. They're ripping the Ten Commandments out of any public place that they can get their hands on. We're no longer considered a Christian nation. We are slowly becoming the minority of the minority. You say, man alive, man, things, things have changed so much, man, this church isn't the same, the world isn't the same, the community isn't the same, the bus ministry isn't the same, you're right, it's not. But you know what, I've, I've got my word, God's word, in my hands, and he said, let me tell you, there is coming a day when all these things are going to happen, should not come as a shock, my God told me it's going to happen. He said things are going to grow worse and worse. They're going to lift up other people that they're going to call their Jesus and their God. They're going to worship idols. There's going to be a great falling away. And then we stand and we're in shock. Let me tell you, if we stand in shock and we put our heads in the sand, we will lose this battle. I refuse. I look and say, you know what? They're not the same that they were when we first started our bus ministry. This isn't the same neighborhood. Never would I have ever dreamed when Fellowship Baptist Church was planted here would everybody think or anybody think that there'd be a Buddhist temple built down the street. In America, we would never think. It is simply a fact that we began to sit on our blessings rather than fight for truth. That's what happened. We allowed them to come in when we should have been pushing them back. 
I am saying this as much to me as I'm saying it to you. I am telling you, I refuse just to make up excuses. I am refusing to sit there and say, well, that's just the way it is. It doesn't have to be that way because I still hold the power of God. Everything that we talked about last week, I'm still a firm 100 believer that God will make as much difference today that he did when they stood up at the day of Pentecost and proclaimed the word of God. I don't believe the word of God has lost its power, and I don't believe that Christians should back down. I don't believe it. Here in that passage last week, we dove into the power of God. We were talking in Acts about the force that God gave them. And then I just think that God knew that every one of you that are sitting here right now, God knew you'd be here. God knew why. God knew when. God knew our bus ministry. God knew all of these things. Here, Mordecai goes up to Esther, and Esther's sitting there going, oh my goodness, the world's falling apart. We're being attacked by every angle. They're going to shut down our, our God and our things. And Mordecai goes up to him and says, God has placed you here for t- such a time as this. Fellowship Baptist Church. You are here in 2014 for such a time as this. You look up and say, oh, Esther is such a cool story. No, Fellowship Baptist Church ought to go down in history as being a cool story of those that believe that God could. God is still writing his story. God never stopped at at the end of the book and goes, whoop, I'm done with that. No, then he said, take it and keep going with it. Keep preaching, keep teaching, keep evangelizing, keep making a difference. God has not ceased to make a difference today. All right, I got to get in this. (laughs) This is cool. These guys got it so much that in Acts chapter 6, and the word of God fell apart. Do you have that? Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And the word of God did what? Uh, Now we're going to say it again. And the word of God what? Increased. Increased. I'm telling you in the midst of their opposition. In the midst of people that wanted to kill Jesus. And they did. Killed Stephen. Shut down churches. Advanced Paul to go around and burn churches. (laughs) And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. This is the midst of the tomb of the unknown God. This is in the midst of people that did not believe that Jesus came. This is in the midst of all of that garbage. But there was a group of people that walked out of the upper room. That walked before the people. Peter stood there and said, I hold forth the word of God. Conviction fell upon all of them. People were saved. They had their lives changed, their heart changed, and they went out, and that's what happened. So then why doesn't it happen today? Do we leave the church with it? That's it, Dom. Do we leave the doors of the church? To deliver this to those that sit in the shadow of death. I take you back. And uh, I'm going to give you three points. Two today and one next week. I'm pre-planning not to preach long. (laughs) Here's the two points. You say, how did this happen? God showed me two reasons that this happened. Number one, because they believed. Number one, because they believed. Now, I'm going to just go through the story and show you how they believed in this. 
This, in this very next chapter after the day of Pentecost, where all that exploded, 3,000 were saved, they continued, they sold their goods, they added to the church, all that stuff happened. Now, the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Now, now this is what's going on. These two guys experienced all that God did. They walked out of church. 3,000 were saved out of the church. They went daily from house to house, breaking of bread and in fellowship and the disciples' doctrine. All that was happening. And then Peter and John sitting there going, you know what? Let's go in the community. Woohoo! Here they go. You know, we, we, some of us almost have that spiritual switch. You know, and it's just like church time, church time, church time. Woo, time to go in the world. All right, hungry, Starbucks, eat, go out, da, 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 da. Oh, it's Sunday, church time, church time. I mean, we, we like turn it off and on. Nowhere are you going to find when they went into the community, went back into the church, that they were one way one minute and the other way another minute. They were representatives of God, representatives of God, representatives of God. Now, here, here these guys are going in, and a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily, daily, daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered in the table, uh, into the temple. He had been crippled from his mother's womb all his life. He was down and out because nobody or anything was able to pick him up. Even the religious folks. Even all of them that walked through and saw him from day to day. Now, here's Peter and John. We're walking through the gate and on their way to pray. And says, verse 3, who's seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple. Ask alms. Makes you wonder, did they know who Peter and John were. I, I mean, you think about this. This is someone that, that I, I, just think about this for a minute. Peter began to spread rumors about this crazy guy that they, they've never heard before. Man, you can imagine. Did you hear 3,000 converted to being Christian? You mean the radical guy, Jesus? Yeah, 3,000 all going out. That dude laying there that day had no clue. He wasn't in the revival. He was not part of the 3,000. He didn't know who Peter was. He didn't know who John was. Man, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, the fellowship, I'm the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. I'm the big wig around here. You know, I'm, uh, I wear a suit and I stand at a podium. and, and I, I, uh, That dude on the corner doesn't care if I was the president. You know what he wanted? I'm hungry, dude. <laughs> I'm just hungry. I don't care if you're a bigwig. I don't, I don't care if there's 3,000. I don't care what went down at your church. All I know is I'm sitting here. I come here every day. I'm down on my face, and nobody cares. That's what was going on with him that day. Revival is great. Church is great. But not everybody has what we have. Not everybody's experienced that. And here comes Peter and John, and they just look up at him. He says, Hey, you're that revival speaker. You saw God do great things. Can you heal me? Nope. He was just saying, hey, can you give me some money that I can get some bread? Let me tell you, the world doesn't even know what they need. You thought about that? Well, they should just come to church. They don't know they need church. They're not going to walk in here. I'm a lost sinner. I need Jesus Christ. I need to be saved by grace. They don't know that. 
The Bible says that they walk in darkness. That's why Bible Jesus said to them, and I read that verse earlier, go to them because they don't even know what they stumble over. They're lost. And Peter and John, who are not even two that normally hang out, you study scripture, these two dudes were like polar opposites. They were much different. Just having these, you know, when we're unified in what we do, people that are different can get along. That's another message for another time. But <laughs> And they're walking in, and this is what happens. I love this. Who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple ask alms, okay? So they're seeing this. They don't even know who he is and what's going on and the fact that he's a big wig and all this other stuff. But Peter and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John. So what's the big deal? Peter had some sort of radar going on looking for people that needed God. He just, how many times, maybe before this, did they go in and out, going out? They were going to pray. Ninth hour, I mean, that, that is routine. About just walking in and all of a sudden they had their, their spiritual eyes out. You know what we, why we don't reach as many people as we wish we'd reach? Because we're walking with eyes of hunger or the best deal on gas or, or all these other things that we've got rather than opening our eyes to realize that every single day we walk past people that are hopeless. Every single day. There are people that feel like I will be stuck here for the rest of my life. I'm not asking for hope out of the pit. I just need to get through today. Sit. That's all he wanted. They don't even know that God has so much more for them than just getting by. I believe that Peter looked at people so much differently after he experienced the power of God. And Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John and said, look on us. It wasn't us. In a matter of, look, I'm a great guy. He didn't say, hey, I'm Peter. I'm the one. I'm the evangelist in town right now. And I don't know if you heard last night that we had. No, he, he wanted him to see something different. Let me tell you, the world needs to see something different in us. There's this concept that we need to, to get into as a church that the world needs to experience radical Christianity. So what does that mean? We need to break the mold on what they're used to seeing and show them something different. Now, you know, you're saying, well, what are you talking about? It is not normal for churches to run buses. It's not normal. Wait till you see tonight. Some of you are going to sit there and be like, oh, when you see the number that it costs. Tonight's our business meeting. Everybody's invited back. Come back. Say so business meetings and churches are about sitting around and fighting about our, our uh, money. No, it's about bragging how God is working in our church. So come back. Be part of it. It's cool. But, but we, we, everything that we do, it's, it's just weird. People come up to me all the time when they find out that I'm the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. You know what are the number one questions they ask me? Tell me more about your Christian school. And I said, we don't have a Christian school. What? Then why do you have all those buses? And I said, I'm glad you're asked. Because we go to where people, we go to the highways and we go to the hedges, to the outskirts and the inskirts. And we find people that can't get to church and we bring them to church and they go... That's crazy. And I'm like, thank you very much. (laughs) It doesn't make sense to them. 
It's outside the box. Here, this church was, was going crazy reaching people. But if you go back to Acts, the Bible says that they sold their possessions and gave to everyone that had need. You say, what is it? That's crazy. People think we're crazy because we tithe and give. We're going to collect again to the mission cards. If you did not pass them in, we're collecting them. We're up over 100,000, our commitments so far. Just a little, like 103,000. Our goal is to crank that up. Not for our glory, but for the glory of God, of reaching people. My money does not belong to me. It's not mine. Every gift that I have, every dime that I have belongs to God. And the more I do his business, the more he takes care of my business. People turn around and say, well, they're going to talk about money. Talk about money. It's God's money. Why not talk about money? If you're holding on to it, man, you have more confidence in that dollar bill than you do in your God. It's not even a message about money. Get back. (laughs) Preachers just like to talk about money. (laughs) Do you know where money goes? In the gas tanks. To go to the highways and hedges. I love hitting the puddles. No, I don't really do this, but. (laughs) And splash mud on Buddha. You know, just like. (laughs) Delete that from the the tape, okay? (laughs) The MP3. (laughs) You know why? Because when we work together, we reach people that are sitting, that nobody even notices or overlooks. But that day they walked in and whoop. Hey, that guy, hey, John, that guy needs us. I just described to you our, 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 the, the ministry of the bus ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church. We go to people that a lot of people overlook and we reach them where they're at. Amen. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Ooh, you know, it's like a customer. I was like, what are you going to give me? And he gave them the typical Baptist answer. Silver and gold have I none. Dude, I'm broke. (laughs) Can I get an amen right there? (laughs) But I have something that's way better than money. (laughs) But such as I have, have I thee. (laughs) See, I've been saved. I've been changed. I've been bought. I've been, I, but Peter was sitting there and going, man, I, I denied God three times. I fell on my face. I failed. And God picked me up. Not, not, not being lame, but in a spiritual sense. And I know what I have, I can give to you. Man, we quote that verse all the time. We have it hanging up in Sunday school classes. But do you realize that that is who we are? What I have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. See, the world is looking for a handout. They're looking, get me out of this for today. Lord, can you got some change that will just get me through the day? And God says, no, but I've got something that will change your life forever. Not not saying that we don't feed people. Don't get me wrong. Because I tell you, one of the greatest avenues to reach somebody's heart is through their stomach sometimes. I was in Thailand. And... uh, Jason Go was preaching, and I was standing off to the side, and I was, I was waiting to teach the kids, and he was doing that. We were in a village back in Thailand with all these Burmese kids. And uh, this one lady was sitting there, and he was talking about the Garden of Eden, and he was building up the trees and how beautiful the fruit was. And he's starting at the beginning with God. And this lady said, I don't know what you're talking about, but you're making me hungry. <laughs> That's all she could think about. She, and, and somebody spoke up and said, we just haven't eaten in a long time. 
And, and you realize I've actually got what I just said on video. I'll show you sometimes of, of this lady saying this and what happened. We are to meet people's needs. But what they need more than anything is the hope of the world. Amen. The hope of the gospel. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give a thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter just reached down. Now notice this. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't preach. And I'm, I'm going to get up there and I'll preach from the pulpit and say, man, God will change your life and God will reach you where you're at and the, the love of God, the power of God and all this. But you know what? According to this, it's not enough. Sometimes it takes a little of this. I reach down and say, hey, buddy, God loves you. When did we lose this? When did we lose the idea that it's, it's not just spreading it out, that there's, that there's more to it than that? Rita, raise your hand. Where's Rita at? I, I, I don't want to embarrass Ella, but I asked her before I did this. We, we went to the recovery group meeting last night. We had this concert, and people were there, and people were saved. It was a great time. And I sat here, and Ella was behind me, and I just turned, and we struck up a conversation. I didn't know you before yesterday, did I, Ella? And Ella's sitting there, and she said, she began to tell me her story. And I'm like, so how did you get here? And she said, well, not too long ago, I was on the streets. But I encountered Rita. No, no, Rita, you don't want to be recognized like this. They ran into each other at this uh, holy place called McDonald's. <laughs> so I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. See, Rita didn't know that she wasn't in church because she had her Jesus eyes on looking for people that needed people. See, sometimes we go in the church and it's, woo, okay, I'm going to bless God, amen. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and we do all this, and then we walk out and it's like we're drones going through the world. Ella said, if it wasn't for Rita, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Amen. Do you know how many poor people are out in this world that are just like her? Now, I know what you're sitting there thinking. Now, this man, he, he in verse 8, and he leaping up, stood and walked and entered in the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And, and you're saying, man, this is awesome. This was great. But the people didn't like it. Now, now don't get me wrong. There was actually Four or 5,000 people saved on this day. It was huge. It was a great revival. And, and if you, you think what happened in Acts 2 was cool, when they started going out, it multiplied big time. But here's the problem. A lot of us are going to sit there and say, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy on the ground. I'm not that Christian that can talk to people. I'm not, I'm not the type that goes out, okay? Pastor Tony, I'm just thankful that this church has so many other people let me tell you, that's a lie of the devil. Amen. The idea that somebody else will do it is a lie of the devil. That's right. Dominic, I'm not picking on you, but you, you, you had to come out on a walk or, or on the cane. Dominic went through almost dying. Do you, do you know why Dominic keeps doing what he does even after all that he's been through? He believes in what he does. Now, I'm running out of time, but let me tell you what happens in this passage. In, in, in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, he starts preaching and witnessing and everything. And he says, whereof we are witnesses. 
He says, you know why I believe so much? And you know why I'm willing to say what I say and do what I do and everything? Because, man, I believe it. I've been there. God changed my life. Man, I was on my way to hell. I was stuck. I was broken. I was without God. And God saved me. God called me. I don't deserve this. But I'm a witness of God's power. Let me ask you right now. And do not be ashamed of what I'm about to ask you. How many of you, by raising a hand, would say that once in your life you were in the world, you were stuck in sin, you were stuck in addiction, you weren't walking with God, you were not the church-going person? Raise your hand right now. Look around. Man, you can put your hands down. You know what you are? You're a witness that God can take somebody from the pit to the church. You're a witness of that. When you have it in your heart to say, I'm not telling you in theory, and I'm not just telling you that God is that type of God. I've been there. I am that guy. I used to be you. But somebody reached down and picked me up. Somebody used spiritual eyes to say, he needs what I have. Such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He never made it about himself. He always made it about God. That's not me. Pastor Tony, I appreciate this, but that is so not me. I'm just telling you. You know what Peter would tell you? It's not me. He, he, he said in this passage, and, and this, this blew me away. Why would, why would he say this? Acts chapter 3, verse 13, in the middle of this conversation. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up. You guys delivered him up. Who's, who's talking right now? Okay. And you denied him in the presence of Pilate. What stands out to you about that? He, he's talking to these guys and saying, you guys denied Jesus. So did Peter. Peter, get up. Lord, I'm so tired. I'm, I'm going to pray with you through the night. Peter, your, your, your flesh, <laughs> your spirit is willing, but I'm telling you, dude, your flesh is weak. He gets out there and he sees Jesus in the dip, distance in front of Pilate in the trial and people gather around. No, I don't know him. I, I don't know him. Quit asking me. No, I don't know him. And he curses. He walks away. I don't know him. And he walked out and he weeped bitterly. He goes and gets on a boat and he finds out that Jesus is risen and, and Jesus calls him to the shore and you guys know the story and he looks at him and he says, Peter, will you fill, will you, will you feed my sheep? I can't. I can't. I'm afraid. Last time I was confronted to stand up for you, God, I denied you three times. I'm not that guy. I can't. Sound familiar? Wait a minute. <laughs> Isn't this the dude that preached to the crowd that crucified Jesus? He walked to the crowd that crucified Jesus. He took out his Bible. In the midst of all them that thought he was crazy, 3,000 was saved. Next chapter, four and 5,000 were saved. Peter now is confronting the Pharisees and all them that had Jesus killed. And he looks them in the face and says, you can't kill the Prince of Life. Amen. What in the world happened his belief was concerned uh, transformed into his boldness i'm going to show you this here all this happened 
And, and, and the Lord's doing this incredible, incredible, incredible deal. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You see, we talked about their belief, that they believed, they believed, they believed, but that belief was converted into boldness. The world will go to hell without the boldness of us. It is time we stand up and tell our flesh, I am not going to be fearful. I'm going to trust God. I will open my lips. I will pass out a track. I will invite. I will talk. I will say. I will stand in the power of God. Because every time we keep our lips shut and every time we're not willing to try it or go out, we let the devil win. The lack of boldness of the church is why we're able to have these temples moving in with false gods being worshipped down the streets of our houses and the community of our kids. I challenge us as a church because I know what God has done in my life. And I know that God will do it in the lives of other people. But I'm here to tell you, well, it's great that we believe, but our belief needs to turn into boldness. They, they said over and over again, and you keep reading, read through this passage, it's awesome, about how, man, these guys are so bold. It's one thing to say they're bold. It blows me away that it's Peter. Peter is being told by the very guys he was afraid of, saying, man, that guy is crazy. That guy stands up with such confidence. I'm going to do something crazy. It's not crazy. It's just going to sound crazy to some of you guys. Next Sunday, we're going to have Impact Sunday. I want you to know what God's doing. You're going to hear stories and stories and stories of the amazing power of what God does when people are bold in their faith and what God has done. But it's time to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Because a lot of times we're sitting there going, oh, that's cool, that's cool. Man, I wish, I wish, I wish. We're looking for other missionaries that are willing to try it.